Blog Talk Radio. Meet you in the shadow of my wings. I will. I'll meet you in the wildest of your dreams. I will. Winter's gone. Spring is now coming, my love. Good morning and welcome to the Healing Light Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Ken Burrow. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for listening in this morning. Our guest this morning is Dr. James Kithcart, an awesome man of God and a prophet. But unfortunately, something must have happened because he has not shown up on the program yet. And he promised me that he would call 10 minutes before, and James has never, ever broken a promise to me. He is a man of integrity, so I can only assume something happened. And I'm praying to God that this is him right now coming on the air. We'll just take a moment and... uh, See if we can get his microphone turned on here. We'll go from there. Good morning. I'm is that on, you, Ken. James? Hey, yes, buddy, I was I'm just talking about... about you. <laughs> I know. I felt it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, I know. I was, I, I, I was had just to, telling you. I had an emergency prayer request, and I had to, had to, had to do some worrying, but I'm here. I understand that. Um, like I said, I told I, I was just telling the audience that you've never broken a promise because you're a man of integrity. So something must uh, important must have happened. Anyhow, yes, good morning, my little brother. How are you? Hey, fine, big brother. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, and I and okay, apparently good. you can hear me, so you wouldn't be uh, loud and clear. Good. Yeah, a, a good friend of mine here recently bought me a, a Blue X microphone just for this podcast. 
Wow. wow, what a blessing. Yeah, it's not a cheap <laughs> microphone either. But that thing's like three feet away from me. And it works just right. Aw- yeah, it's an awesome microphone. Beats the beats the crap out of the one that I had before, which was just a cheap headphone with a microphone coming out of it. But right. I am so glad to have you on the air this morning, my friend. And it's so, an honor to be here. So I had a friend of mine message me this morning, Lisa Woods. She's up in Kentucky. And she was, like, really interested about the topic of this program, Come Back Home. She said she never heard it that way before. So tell us what you want, what that means. Okay. If if I'm allowed, can I just say a short prayer and then uh, go from there? Absolutely. You of course you're allowed. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just want to. I have to ask permission. That's respect. Father, we give you I praise, honor, it. and glory for this day. This is a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, I decrease. I disappear. I dissolve. And you manifest your power. Manifest your glory. Manifest your presence. Yes. Speak to your people, Lord, that you would be glorified. Yes, Lord. That you would be magnified and praised. I thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. You will heal, you will set free, and you will deliver your people, and they will see themselves the way you see us, not the way the world has uh, in their Antichrist method to uh, destroy our vision of a father. We give you praise, honor, and glory that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Amen. I I really want to just put this disclaimer out. When I have these discussions with you on your radio, I am never seeing the church at large, and I am never seeing the body of Christ at large. When I discuss these topics, these are situational um, crises that I've witnessed and need to be addressed. So I don't want people to think that I think all the churches are in trouble and all the churches are evil and the body of Christ is out of order. The body of Christ is not out of order. There are churches that can be out of order, but if God is not the author of confusion, trust me, the body of Christ is not out of order. Amen. There's churches that are being um, sanctified, that are being um, processed to becoming without spot or wrinkle. When I say churches, that's us, the temple, we're the ones. And so what has been on my heart is the various um, offenses that have taken place in, uh, in this Christian walk that has caused many people to abandon the relationship of a son to father or a father to son relationship. And so I, 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 I read all through the Bible where God the Father and Jesus the Son and Jesus honored the Father and the Father gave the Son a name that's above every name because he was obedient to the Father and you see the father and son back and forth, back and forth. And I started asking the Lord, why do we see um, and hear so much of the deadbeat dads and the orphan children and my father abandoned me or I don't have a relationship with my father or the pastor uh, verbally abused me and I looked up to him like a father and now I have nobody um, to look to communicate to as a father because of the offense that took place. I, I no longer trust the father figure. And the, the Lord very clearly, the Holy Spirit very clearly said that the, uh, the Antichrist, Spirit is not something that's coming. The Antichrist spirit has been here. We're looking for an individual 
but we're not discerning the spirit of Antichrist that's already working uh, in every way, shape, or form. Um, I'm going to be quiet, but i got to throw this in here also. If you remember the movement of the um, the women's rights, and the, the women were doing things and saying that, you know, we're equal and we deserve our we should have a voice, and it's because the women lost Trust, I'm not saying across the board, but lost trust in the father figure. And if you remember, we had uh, a civil war, and then we had a, uh, um, a World War One and World War Two, and we had Korea, and then we had Vietnam. If you could look at all the different instances where the Antichrist was killing off fathers, to disrupt the relationship of a father, son, father, daughter, the hope in having a father, the hope in trusting the father, which was a, a subliminal attack against the body of Christ so that people would uh, experience what it is to be fatherless and therefore never have that trust factor in a father, which end up equating to their relationship with God the Father because they never understood what it was to have a relationship with the Father. And I'm going to back it up with some scripture, then then dialogue. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go to Malachi, the fourth chapter, and I will read verses 1 through 6, but I really want to focus on verses 5 and 6, but I, I need to set set something in place. So um, here we go. This is the New King James, Malachi, fourth chapter. If you're in the New Testament, come on over one chapter over to the Old Testament, and you'll be all right. Malachi 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day is coming, shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from a stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Here it is. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their father, fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. I read that passage of scripture to say, I would have to say that the utter destruction came when we were in seasons of offense, I'm not offense, defense, but we were offended by people that we looked up to in a fatherly figure. And I also want to say something else, Ken. When you're dealing with the spirit of the calling, you cannot put gender in spirit. Spirit never never needs to procreate. So when you're dealing with spirit and leadership from a spiritual perspective that's leading by the word of God and not male emotion nor female emotion, but word of God and spirit-led, then a, a, a female, when she is operating according to the will of God, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, she is not functioning as a female. She's functioning as a leader 
in the body of Christ. And so I'm not getting led by a female. I'm being led by the spirit of God that's in the person, which is neither male nor female, and God the Father is the one that has empowered this person to pour into me. So I don't need testosterone. I need word because spirit is not the seed. The spirit of what the word of God is is the seed, not the natural seed of a man, but the supernatural seed of word is what we need. And so these offenses have taken place, and it's caused many people to cut themselves away from leadership, or they have been um, hurt by male leadership. Hear what I'm saying? They've been hurt by the father figure. Now it goes from male and female. It goes to the spirit. It's, they've been offended by the spirit of offense. And the demon of offense to cause people not to have that fathering figure in their lives. And now we've turned, we've been turned into orphans. And others, I'm going to have to say, others have been bastardized because they have, they're, they're, they're fatherless and we're, we're just aimless and nobody to claim as a father figure and we don't have that relationship with God the Father because we've been too offended by man. Hmm. It's very interesting. Um, I know as you were talking, in my experience, and I have over the years tried to get people to understand that what, you've, what you're saying is true. There is no gender in the spirit. Well, there's a lot of folks out there who'd want to argue about women preachers and et cetera, et cetera. I know that's not mm -hmm. your point, but I wanted to bring that up because, you know, my book says in the last days he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh and that your sons mm -hmm. and daughters can prophesy. And I've known many great women of God who have had an impact on my life because they listen to the spirit. And yes. not to the uh, control of men. And I don't think there's yeah. too many people. I know in, in my walk, I've I've had a couple of people hurt me as I've as I've been progressing with my walk. Um, but in my mind, in my heart, you know, they're automatically forgiven, and I don't spend much time thinking about it because it's a waste of my energy and time because. The spirit of God is going to bring you. And I tell people all the time that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. He mm -hmm. never changes his mind. So even if somebody tries to set on your gifts and keep you from moving forward to your destiny in Jesus Christ, the good news is he does not change his mind. He will order your steps. And you will fall into your destiny if you listen to the Spirit. That's right. If you listen to the Spirit. So here's your, here's your disclaimer. If you listen to the Spirit. And notice how the Spirit, and we deal with the Holy Spirit and the, or Holy Ghost, if you're from down south like me. And yeah. I've heard things like, well, there's no, there's, no, there's no need for the Holy Ghost, and there's no need for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's no need for tongues. There's no need. It, it's, it's a very tricky deception that cuts away the relationship with the Father by any means necessary. You brought up the question. You're correct. You, you are absolutely correct. You, you forgave, correct? Absolutely. That's a that's a given. You have to. Unforgiveness yeah. is there's no room for it. Not if you're going to follow Jesus, because He forgave us when we didn't deserve it. We absolutely must forgive others. There's, there's the Bible says in Matthew six fourteen and fifteen, when you stand there praying, and you forgive others of their trespasses against you, then God will forgive you. But if you don't, God won't. Hello. 
Then they say that's not an you option. Don't, neither will the Father forgive you, correct? That's right. But if you do, he'll forgive you. If you don't, he won't. I can't afford mm-hmm. that. I don't think anybody so can afford more, that. So then how much more are we to forgive the father that abandoned, the father that might have abused, the father yep. that might have even molested, the father that might have um, left home, the father that might have had a family across town. I'm not saying forgive and you always have to establish a relationship with that person. But there is a place in your heart that says, I can forgive them and release them from any uh, judgment and whatever, and the whole situation is in God's hands, just like the grace of God that has been on my life for when I did wrong and he uh, I, I came to him boldly and he forgave me, then I should have that same outlook when I deal with people. You know, here's something to think about. Jeremiah 23, verse 1 says, uh, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Okay? Yep. Um, he says in like in verse uh, 2 of Jeremiah 23, verse 2, therefore, uh, therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, says the Lord. Amen. Okay? And I will gather a remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I have driven them, wherever they've been driven out to, I will gather and I will bring them again to their folds. I will bring them back. I will bring them back home, come home, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And that is where I am right now uh, in intercession is that God's children just come home. I'm not talking about coming home to be with the Lord. I'm talking about coming home and and uh, establish that relationship with the Lord again. I don't – I care. I'm not going to use the word I don't care. I care about what happened to you, and I care about the fact that you were hurt, deeply wounded. I care over the fact that you were abused. I care over the fact that you were left for dead. I care that you – uh, never saw the father uh, at your graduation, and when you succeeded, you never heard any, you never received any accolades from the father. I care about that, but it's greater for me to say, God, bring your people, bring your children back home. Be the father yes. that they never had. Be the father that they can confide in. Be the father that they're not fearful of. I fear the Lord, but I don't fear the Lord as in scared of him. I reverence God, but I run to the Lord daily. Are you, get, are you getting what I'm saying? I, yes, I sir. No problem running to God at any time. Good day, bad day, um, um, you name it, on track, off track, I run to God because I know him as a father that's not abusive. I know him as a father that's loving I know him in a, as a father that's understanding. I cannot and I will not use the image of my natural father, who was the incredibly anointed man, and all that he did for our family. I still won't use him as my model of a father when it comes to the things of the spirit because my father was something called human. And the fact that he was human, he was subject to good days and bad days and flaws, shortcomings, struggles, whatever. And that was in his humanity. But the Father, God the Father, my relationship with God the Father is strong because I know him as a father through relationship versus associating God to a natural father or a natural, like you. I call you my big brother. And we talk openly, and I can share things with you openly because there's a trust and a respect I have for you and the integrity that you carry. 
but I still, in the midst of that, cannot look at you as God the Father, and I can't look at you as having to be perfect. I have to look at you as being my big brother, Ken, who's got my back, and it walks in integrity, but at any given time could be subject to just having a bad day, and it is what it is. And so do I judge that one bad day? Do I judge that one bad week out of the 52 weeks in a year? I I judge one week out of the other 51 successful weeks? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is is where the same grace that God had for us is the same grace we extend to others. And when we extend that type of grace to others – Trust me, you keep living. You'll need the grace of God in your life because you're going to have good days and bad days. This is true. Back to this text, it's time for the broken. It's time for the addicted. Mm -hmm. It's time for the so-called lost and ungodly. It's time for the ones that know that the unlovable it's time for the ones that supposedly have done too many wrong things to come home. Amen. I promise you, this is a God that has open arms. He's waiting for his children to come home. This image of God sitting on a throne with a lightning bolt and a frown on his face and just mad and ready to strike things down, I'm going to say it, it's anti-Christ. It's not true. You're right. Does God get angry? You're right. Absolutely. Is God sovereign? You better believe it. Does God judge? Yes, he does. But we forgot the other, the greatest aspect, because the Bible says that God is love. Yeah, I don't Period. see anywhere it says God is anger or God is evil or God is mean. I'm looking. I'm going to read the Bible again. But I still haven't found it. God is mean. God has got an attitude problem. I can't find it anywhere in the Bible. I see where he loves his children. And he even, uh, even when people have sinned and when his people in Israel have sinned against him, he says, I would do this, this, and this, and that, and that, and this. But since I love you, I'm still going to restore you. My goodness. Amen. You know, there's. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe we need to kind of get away from um, the titles and 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 go into the realm of the spirit and 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 father God's children and be more concerned with fathering God's children, not fathering children, but fathering God's children. You you know what I'm talking about. Um, yes, and I not do. I... Rummaging and trampling over God's children, but loving them. And, and, and see, here's another thing. When a person moves into a position that they can father and, and God, God wants them to father people, and they still have an abusive mindset of a father because of their own experience. Then you have a tangible manifestation of an abuser that's in position, and they become, they become a destructor or they become a dictator uh, out of frustration and anger. And then instead of leading and fathering, they become prison camp wardens and jailers and um, – uh, emperors and um, kings of their own little kingdoms, and the peasants that are subject to them are abused because they were abused as fathers and don't know how to raise people up and love people as a father would love a child. Well, you know, I I was very fortunate to have a father. My dad was the most awesome man I've ever known. Uh, losing him was probably one of the most difficult things I've gone through, but he was a, a magnet to people. I never met anybody who did not love that man because he was full of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a Greek word means a part of God within. 
And mm. people were just drawn to him. And I tell people all the time, if I have any good things in my life, it's because I inherited it from him because he taught us well. But in the same time, I have many, many friends that have terrible relationships with their fathers. You know, they mm-hmm. fight and argue. They don't get along at all. And it, it confuses me. It's like, but it's because I had such a great father, but it breaks my heart to see people not coming together with their fathers as God intended us to do. Okay. We're supposed to, you know, there, there's one promise on honor, honor your father and your mother. And that, that comes with a promise. You'll have, you'll have a long life if you do so. Um, and I have, you, you were talking about us fathering people. I'm going to say, I, I think of that as, as being a spiritual father. And yeah. I know I, I have lots of spiritual kids. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of them out there and I love each and every one of them. <laughs> uh, there's one little girl up in Kentucky by the name of Lisa Woods. I love this child. You know, she just recently found out what meaning, the meaning of having the our Heavenly Father in her life. And the things he has done for her in such a short period of time just absolutely amazes me. And I think what you're trying to say is if we turn to our Father in Heaven, looking at him as our Heavenly Father, not as our human father... Mm-hmm. Then we can have that relationship that deep down we've always desired to have in the first place. Yes. Am I, am I correct no. on that? You're 100% correct. But the, the the amazing part about it, Ken, is the the topic come back home. It's a two it's a two edged sword. One, yes, you're asking the children to come back home. Two. You're asking the fathers to come back home. Yes, sir. You get you get the because there's many fathers yep. that have abandoned the home, and so in the gathering, God is saying, "I want the fathers to come back home, and I want the children to come back home." And I'm not talking about you know, um, forty-seven year old daughter having to move back in. Um, with their parents, I'm saying in the spirit of relationships, yeah. come back home, come back to that relationship with a father, uh, reestablish that relationship with the person that God gives you as a leader and as a as that father figure, and let's remove. Uh, can I just pray? Can I just pray something right now, Ken? Is it all right? Just absolutely, of course. Father, as of this instant, without delay, without deny, without anything blocking, without any hindrances from territorial spirits and principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness, you're, you, you are not in charge of this line. The kingdom of heaven is established on this line, and the power and will of God is in place. As of this instant, I renounce globally, universally, the demon of abandonment by fathers and the bitterness that comes with that demon, the unforgiveness and the demon of resentment. I renounce you in the name of Jesus. I renounce you from every hearer of this word, every bad experience, Every flaw, every shortcoming, every form of abuse, every misunderstanding, every pain, every hurt, every deception, every manipulation, every time they were ignored, I stand in the gap and ask for forgiveness as a father. And I'm asking you to forgive me in your heart as a father. And I'm asking God to heal, set free, and deliver those people that would listen to this broadcast that have been hurt by our Father. I stand in the gap, 
as a father and ask you to forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And, and you know, you are right. There is a spirit out there that that tries to – and it is a spirit of the Antichrist. But there's many times I have prayed for people, and I call it the orphan spirit, you know, that, that mm-hmm. binds them and, and, and holds them completely captive instead of having the freedom and, and, and the peace of the Holy Spirit. They're bound by this orphan spirit. And I've noticed that many people have let that spirit affect them so much that they don't think they're worthy of anything. They don't think they, they're, they're going to amount to anything. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is it is a demonic spirit. And many times in deliverance prayers, I've seen that thing go, and the next thing you know, that person is walking in freedom. Mm-hmm. The relationships that they have have completely changed because that spirit leaves them. And then they become yes. to realize that they are a child of God with all the inherited rights of, of being in the kingdom. So... What I'm trying to say here is you're absolutely correct about it being a spirit because, and it does affect people. And I, mm-hmm. I also tell people all the time that the things, you know, there's nothing we can do, James, nothing we can do to change our past. Nothing. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, Jesus said in Luke uh, 962, a man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the service of the mm. kingdom of God. So <laughs> as Christians, yeah, mm-hmm. as Christians, we can't look at the past. We have to let it go. We have to forgive. We have to move mm-hmm. forward into our destinies because we're in the last days. I don't care what anybody says. I know we are. Mm-hmm. And anybody who is spirit-filled knows we're in the last days because the spirit confirms it. He's constantly telling people to get, to prepare themselves, get ready, be ready, stay ready because Jesus mm-hmm. is returning soon. Go ahead and say, make your comments. And, and, and the, the part I know, I'm, I'm not going to live another 57 years. I know that. Okay. Me neither. So I, I'm in my last days. When I say last days, one day is like a thousand years of the, in the Lord. I I just know that I have to I can't start getting ready. I have to live ready, if that makes come any on. sense. No, I, come on. I, I can't it. just I can't plan about I can't plan and say, Well, next week I'm really just gonna get serious with the Lord and, and really, you know, really just get diligent. I don't know what's going to happen in the next three minutes, let alone next week. We have become too simple-minded when it comes to the things of the Spirit, and we just throw things out of our mouths as if we have eternity to get things right. When this life that we live is nothing but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. And so when, when I look at the father figure, now this is, pretty, this is pretty deep. When you see the prodigal son... And you listen to what he said. He said, make me a servant in your home. Because he, it says basically he came to his senses. Now he's out there eating slop with hogs and out in the street and out in the woods and anywhere he can, you know, the dumps. And he came to his senses and knew that he needed to come back. But he did not come back to the father asking for his position, his rightful position, he came back in humility, and the father saw his son coming. And the Bible says that the father not only prepared the fatted calf, you know, the best of the best, and had a robe and a ring for him, but the Bible says that the father ran out to greet his son. Now, if a human can have that much affection and love for a son, how much more is God's unthinkable, unlimited, and unimaginable love towards us that he would run after us to embrace us and tell us to come back home? Amen. I, the day of thinking that God is, if I come back, God's going to fuss at me, 
if I try to get things right with the Lord, he's going he's gonna to dog me out. We have to get away from this because this is, this, this is a sign that somebody has been looking at too much um, reality TV, which is <laughs> fake, and they need to get into the word of God and find out. This God is always finding, figuring out a way to draw you back to him. God is not trying to figure out a way to kick you out of heaven. He's looking at ways to keep you. Good, Amen. bad, ugly. Good decisions, bad decisions, poor choices, um, mistakes, or I don't call them mistakes because I, I really make mistakes. There's things that I do because that's what I wanted to do. It's not like the devil made me do something. The devil doesn't make me do anything. Anytime I did something wrong or anytime I did something that was not in the will of God, it was my decision. It wasn't the devil because the devil has no power over me. I'm spirit-filled, but my flesh made decisions that I resented, I re, I, I, you know, that devastated me, but I can own up to them instead of saying, well, the devil made me do it. That's a responsibility because that's a relational responsibility I have with the Father because the Father and Son relationship that I have with God lets me know it's okay to get it right, James. It's okay to come to me. It's okay to come to me boldly. It's okay to come to me boldly to the throne of grace. Well, I will wash you whiter than snow. I will take the sins and remove them from you as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't say, he says also in the book of Hebrews 12 chapter that he chastens those who he loves. And it says if a father can chasten a son, how much more will the father chasten us, those he loves? He doesn't beat us to abuse us. He allows us to be spanked so that we can draw closer to him and learn from our mistakes, or else we'll just become aimless wanderers that have no substratum of discipline, which is out there, loose as a goose or like a rudderless ship, blown whichever way the wind is blowing. I love the way my father disciplines me. I love the way God chastens me. I love the way the Holy Spirit corrects me. I'm thankful for it. And I I, I said, God, you can do anything you want to do to me. Like David said, just don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's a son-father-son relationship. Yeah, having the Holy Spirit. Not, not, when I think about the fear of God, it's not that I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid to lose his presence. That's the kind mm. of fear I have. Okay, mm. and God, as you were saying, he does correct us. He convicts us when we're wrong. He never condemns us. He only corrects us. He convicts us. He does not condemn. Uh, there are many people that I talk to who like, is God mad at me because I did this? I actually had somebody ask me the other day if God would be mad at her if she uh, put up a Christmas tree for her kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, there's legalistic people out there who would say you shouldn't do that. But I have never once in my life ever heard of God punishing anybody for putting up a Christmas tree, you know, because he doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. Now, if God convicts you mm-hmm. and tells you not to do it, then you better listen That's to something him. Else. That's correct. Yeah. But if he doesn't, put the thing up. You know, what's it? You know, we get caught up in, in, in some pretty strange legalistic thinking sometimes. But as you were saying, I mean, I'm a father too. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am not, my children have not always been the best behaved. Okay. I had one when okay. he was young. He was just, he was just as rebellious as a boy could be. But that same boy has grown up to be an awesome man and a great father himself. Completely, it's a complete juxtaposition of what he was like when he was a kid to what he is today. But even when he was going through all that rebellion, even when he was causing me more grief than than I, I felt I deserved, I never once stopped loving him. 
I never once mm. would turn my back on him. And as you say, mm-hmm. I'm human. I, I have frailties. But our God has unconditional love that we cannot even imagine how much he truly loves us. Mm-hmm. I've heard people heard people tell stories and and it's never happened to me. I do have a prophet friend who who does go and I believe he does travel to heaven from time to time and converse with the Lord. But I've heard people who've had near death experiences and they and they all have one common thread. Once they mm-hmm. got there, the first thing they felt was love they could not put into words. A mm-hmm. love that just permeated everything in the heavens. Yes. And I've yeah. thought about that. You know, I, I want to be more like Jesus every day. He has instructed me over the last year or so to look at everybody through the eyes of Jesus. Easier yeah. said than done. Much easier yeah. said than done because uh, recently, I I prayed for a guy, um, and I talked about it in the last two shows, but I, I don't mind bringing it up again because it really does show a, a fine example of what he means by looking at people through the eyes of Jesus. What happened was is we were at a tent revival. This guy walked down the road. He had one leg shorter than the other, and I walked up to talk to him, and this man, every other word, was GD or JC. He was just, you know, and it grieved my spirit. He was talking that way. Mm-hmm. The Lord kept saying, be kind, be kind. Mm-hmm. And so I'm being kind mm-hmm. to the man. Uh, and he was talking crazy too. He was just about as crazy as you could be. Finally, he walked off talking to himself, cussing like there was no tomorrow. But 20 minutes later, he came back and he did have one leg shorter than the other. James, it was about six, seven inches. It was the biggest drastic leg difference I've ever seen. And I asked if oh, I could God. pray for him. And he said, yeah. And he sat down and I took, and I put a little anointing oil on his forehead. And mm-hmm. when I looked down, his legs were absolutely even. I never even prayed for him, James. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It just happened yes, instantly. The evangelist yes, and I were just, Amazed at that. Now, Ken, the healing, the healing what, was marvelous. Let, let, me, mm-hmm. let me go one step. A week mm-hmm. later, the evangelist called me and he said the guy had came back to the tent. Mm-hmm. He was in his right mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. He was dressed up very nicely. Mm-hmm. He was praising God and had returned for prayer. See, Jesus yeah. saw the man that was coming back home. To him, yes, yeah. I saw a man who was cursing God. Am I making sense here? But through, but through the eyes of God, I know what you saw, and it grieved you. But the key thing you said you did, you understood it. Though it grieved you, you did not turn him away. You allowed him no. to vent and say whatever he needed to say. And you still showed the love of a father instead of rebuking him and attempting to kick him out of the tent revival. He saw that God loved him in spite of his behavior because his behavior was a temporal thing but not an eternal thing. Since God knows the end from the beginning, he knew that the man could stand. So here's the thing. The miracle took place because the man had faith in the God that you serve because you were the closest thing to God he's ever experienced. And so what does the Bible tell us is that it takes the faith the size of a mustard seed. The man was healed instantly because he saw the love of the Father. Just like the demon-possessed man that was cutting himself in the tombs, okay? Right. When he, the Bible says when he saw Jesus getting off the ship at the shore, he ran from the cemetery all the way down to the shoreline, and he was the first one to greet Jesus, okay? 
This man was demon-possessed, mm-hmm. but he ran to Jesus. Did Jesus turn him away and say, go back, you've been in the tombs cutting yourself, who are you to touch me, why are you the greeting party, we're the Christians, Come on. we're the saints, where's the church, why are you Come the on. first one to greet me? No, Come on. he asked him, he asked me, what, he asked him, what's your name? He said, we're legion, there are many of us. And the Bible says, and, 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 and Jesus said, he saw the swine, he saw the pigs on the hill, and he told that demon and his legions to leave the man and go into the swine. And the swine ran down the hill and drowned in the bay. They drowned in the water, correct? The key yep. thing was it says the, the next day, it doesn't say two weeks later. It doesn't say after 30 days or after 14 steps or after he went to KNG and bought a suit and then came back. To God. It says the next day the man was seated at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Yes. Okay? The, the, yes. I didn't see anywhere it says Jesus laid hands on him and he poured oil on him. The man fell out. And it doesn't say anything like that. The fact that the Come man on. came to Jesus as he was, the authority of Christ as a father, as a working through the father to the, to the child, to the demon-possessed man, it was God the Father that healed that man on the spot. And the Bible says that that man sat at the feet of Jesus, and he asked Jesus, can I go with you? On the shipping, can I go where you go? And Jesus said, "No, go back to um, go back to the city and tell the people what great thing the Lord has done for you." So this man went from demon possessed on Friday, met the Son Friday, got healed, set free, and delivered. Went through ministers training the next day, and then <laughs> was sent out to go preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come the next on, day. didn't have to go through preach ministers it, training. Didn't have to go through new members orientation. He was immediately sent out to go preach. The Bible says he was sent into the city to go preach and tell the people what great thing the Lord has done. A father is not going to be anxious to put a steel ceiling above his children. A father is going to be anxious to get underneath his children and push them higher than he's ever gone. Anyone that's connected to me, I want to push them further than I've ever gone. I want them to do exploits in the kingdom that I've only dreamt of doing, okay? I want to see yes. them ex- uh, excel. I want to see them uh, flow in abundance of um, spirit, soul, body. I want to see their families flourish. I want them to see them financially stable. I want to see great things. I don't want to be over top of them, stumping them back down, knocking them back Come down on. into the dirt. I want to be out there pushing them. Yes, you can do it. Yes, you will do it. God's got your back. If God before you, who can be against you? I want to pour into them to see them do great exploits. When a father is really doing their job, he'll pull, he'll dust off, he'll shake loose, set free, and then he will push. You get what I'm saying as a process. Absolutely. But a father will never push back or push down or step on. He will clean up, he will square it away, he will straighten out, and then he will find a way to push that person back out to do great exploits. And that's what we need in the church. We need fathers to come home, and we need the children to come back home. Well, I agree with you on on getting people go forward and, 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 and do greater things. Uh, I have one spiritual child that went through deliverance about, I don't know, four or five months ago. And, and then just a couple of days ago, she did a deliverance on her sister. Now her sister mm-hmm. is set free. Okay. And she mm-hmm. said, can I talk about this in your group? I said, Absolutely. You know, we have to testify of the goodness of God. Testimony means I, I, I believe in him. Now, I did not go to seminary. I think it's kind of ironic what you just said about the guy coming out of the cemetery. Yes. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I joke around going to people all the time. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't go mm-hmm. to the cemetery. I mean, seminary, but, you know. 
but Ken, I didn't. <laughs> I did not go to seminary. I'm sorry. I don't know all the religious cliches and hookamajayas, and I don't know any of that stuff. I, I I know some songs. I don't know all the old hymns, but I tell you what, I know how to worship. I know how to get on my face and sing a song to the Lord and lay out on my face and get in His presence. And all that, you know, if you went to a seminary and that's how you learn, hey, good for you. I'm thankful I learned via the Holy Spirit. I learned by getting on my face. I learned by flipping plates. I learned by um, uh, sacrificing and turning off Super Bowls and World Series and basketball series. And when he says, come pray, uh, I went to pray. And, and it, it got to the point where you question the father, Lord, why, why, why can't I just watch this Super Bowl? Do you love me more than the things of this world? Do you love me more than the Super Bowl? And the You're key thing he told sure. me, he said, don't, don't put it on your DVR. Don't record it. I don't want you to have it as a backup. I want you to come to me. And then days later, Minding my own business, you get a phone call and somebody say, hey, God put you on my heart to come down to Virginia Beach to preach. Can you do it? I have to get out of town. I have an emergency. I know it's Saturday night, but can you come down and preach for us? And I'm like, sure, because he says be ready in season, in, in season and out of season. But that's, that's right. the relationship with the father and the son, that relationship that if the father is telling me to do something, I'm not going to question the motive of the father because the trust that I have in my father is that my father is telling me to do something that's going to benefit me, whether I see it today or sometime next year. It's beneficial to me to listen to the father. I know you have Amen. four minutes left, so I'm going to try to behave, Ken. About three minutes, actually. You know, that's one thing about having you on this show. That hour just flies by. Uh, I mean, it just flies by. Um, I want to thank you once again for being a guest on our show today. Uh, you have been such a blessing in my life, and I know that you've been a blessing to many other people. And it's always an honor to have you here, Dr. James, my little brother. Uh, <laughs> I want to uh, thank uh, Reverend Stan Shell for giving us this format. He's a he's a pretty awesome guy too. Overall, I have to agree with you. Truly, it's time for all of us to come home. Jesus is calling to us now to come home. Yeah. And if if you're listening and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior. It's pretty easy to do. It takes one little step of faith. It's just to say, Lord, I believe in you. I know that you died upon that cross. I know you were raised again from the dead three days after. And Lord, I confess my sins to you, and I ask that you remove them from me. That's all you got to do. Ask him, and he will come into your life, and it will be a life changed. You won't be the same. James and I both have done that, and it changed our lives. Yes. And ask him for the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit yes. will teach you the things that men can't teach you. You know, James and I both have gone through the school of the Holy Spirit, and the things we know mm -hmm. came from the Holy Spirit. And those are principles of God. And a principle is an unchanging truth. So everything we've shared with you today comes from the principles of God. It's truth. Take the time. Go ahead and ask him. Well, we got 60 seconds left. James, you got anything you want to say in closing? I just want to say, Lord, we send a hedge of protection to every one of your listeners, and especially Ken. Uh, has protection. I ask that you dispatch your angels. There would be no retaliatory attacks against the hearers of this teaching today. Father, I ask that you just bless my big brother Ken beyond anything he could ever ask or think. Bless him yes, Lord. abundantly with health. Bless him financially. I'm asking yes, Lord. Father that you would do this, that you would be glorified. And I promise, Father, when you bless him, I'll, I'll praise you. And I'll worship you like you've done it for me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Thanks again. This has been Blog Talk Radio, the Healing Light Show. God bless you. Be blessed and be a blessing. God bless you. Oh, my